Chapter 4. Hangar 19 was a parody, named after UFO folklore of the 20th century. The oversized Quonset hut structure was nestled among the 200 acres of buildings that had been home to a textile production plant. As with the majority of that southern staple, the plant closed and the jobs moved to Mexico. NAFTA had been a bust, and the booming economy in North Carolina had been one of the casualties. The intentionally secluded basement had become Johnson's domain. Johnson enjoyed the irony. One of the great scientific minds of the 23rd century managed an area of the underground economy. Johnson's jurisdiction was split into three areas, the laboratory, the testing rooms, and the crypt. The 40,000 square feet above his head was a huge umbrella for the 4,000 squares he required. His precinct was precisely centered underneath the building, surrounded by the security that drove newcomers crazy. Steve busted his ass trying to mitigate the hemorrhage of gossip surrounding the hangar. Two hundred years of spawned perceptions and creative rumors piled up. There had to be an escape valve. Study after study proved in the absence of fact, any group's paranoia becomes the rock-solid foundation for pent-up imaginations. Johnson was weary of being reminded in countless performance reviews it was his job to control the gossip about this place. One of his many jobs. This hangar actually was a home to a body and an artifact. Therein lays the fabric of legends. Bayou Savage and the 53 Fender Esquire had laid in state in this basement, the crypt, since 2006. The guitar and body slept as one, as if intertwined in death. They had both been examined and picked over by a handful of cryogenic specialists and a variety of other scientists whose curiosity and intellectual arrogance occasioned their visits. All of these highly educated, trained, and sophisticated technicians had tried, unsuccessfully, to revive the inert body of Bayou Savage. Several came with confidence in a cure for whatever had killed or suspended him, it was good humor for the teams. Nothing ever worked. Johnson glanced at the cylindrical-shaped coffin and frowned to himself. The top of the coffin was clear and bulletproof. Closer inspection would reveal the body, frozen in time, existing in suspended animation with no visible traditional cryotechniques. No numbing cold, no wires, no tubes, nothing. A pristine tribute to what the Institute once was. The Institute had somehow managed to put the body in this silver enclosure to protect Bayou Savage. No one ever duplicated that feat. It was 206 years ago, to be exact. The decree issued by an ancient director named Cork was simple. Keep the body in sight and protected. Cork's records had been lost, destroyed, or distorted during the wars of 2012, and rumor was he died mysteriously about the same time. Director Oswald had spoken privately of his belief that if Ghost ever resurfaced, the body in the silver coffin, like King Arthur, would return when humanity needed it the most. Oswald was an incurable romantic. Hangar 19 housed the coffin throughout the history of the GDI. Research upon research project failed to produce any results. Then, a hundred years ago, with the advent of accessing memory from prototype quantum DNA enhancers, a new directive had been issued. 
Steve's predecessors acquired a tissue sample from the body and somehow tried to use it to reactivate Bayou's memory. The scientists had no success in spite of their many attempts. Now, for the past 20-odd years, Steve had led the roster of the long line of failures. All progress in quantum DNA memory refinement hadn't brought Johnson's team any closer than the others. The experts confirmed that if a tissue sample could be procured, the memory could be activated. If they had the mechanism to determine what kept the body in its current quantum state, they could domesticate the electrons, something they'd been trying to do for years. <laughs>